1: It's Hoops Tonight presented by FanDuel. The NBA season is kicking into gear and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. The app is safe and secure. Getting your money out is super easy. You can jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting. And I love building those same game parlays. And FanDuel is now live in Ohio. So use promo code JasonT and download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. 21 plus in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia, and Ohio. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. Call 1-877-770-STOP in LA. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Dial one 877 8 HOPENY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call one 800 522 4700 in Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Wednesday, everybody. I'm recording this on Tuesday night. By the time you're listening to this, I will be well on my way to Lake Tahoe in California, where there's record snowpack to do a few days of skiing. I'm very excited. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the Clippers, delivering a little bit of an ass-kicking to the Lakers, an impressive display of jump shooting. We're also going to talk Celtics heat, the Mavs and the Wizards and the Cavs and the Knicks, and then I also have a couple of quick hitters for you. A take on the dunk contest, and then a little follow-up on some of the uh, fallout from the Rui Hachimura trade and some of the conversations surrounding Rob Polinka. You guys know the drill. Before we get started, subscribe to the Volume's YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Jason LT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. And if for whatever reason you guys miss one of these videos and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish, you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. And then lastly, before we get started, you guys have heard me talk about Game Time, the fastest growing ticketing app in the U.S. If you were looking to get out to any NBA, NHL, NFL playoff games, or even a concert or a comedy show, GameTime has amazing last-minute deals on tickets to all of these. I just got my wife and I tickets on Game Time to go see the University of Oregon come to McHale Center to play the Wildcats on Thursday night next week. Very, very excited to go to that game. Uh, The process was super easy. This app is super user-friendly. You have a really good feel for where your seats are. Everything is disclosed. And like I said, I like it easy. Um, No matter where you live... Get out and have some fun this week. Download the Game Time app. Enter your email and redeem code Hoops for twenty dollars off your first first purchase. Terms apply. Again, enter your email and the code Hoops. That's H O O P S for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's talk some basketball. So the Clippers beat the Lakers, one thirty three to one fifteen. Riding, I mean, quite frankly, just impossibly hot shooting. They shot 15 for 23 from three in the first half. That's one of the hottest shooting halves I've ever seen. That's 65% on massive volume. They scored 77 points. And even though the Lakers really battled back in the second half, LeBron just left everything he had out there on the floor to try to get him back in the game. It just was too big of a hole for them to dig out. Uh, for them to dig out of. And you know, honestly, there's been a ton of Clippers pessimism this year. Some of that is like, as you guys know, before I started with the volume, I covered the Lakers exclusively, and so I've got a large uh, most a lot of the people that I follow on Twitter are Lakers fans, and so I've got a little bit of a Lakers window in terms of the stuff that I see. On the Twitter feed. Um, so a lot of it is probably Lakers fans just having moments at the Clippers' expense. But I'm glad that I never jumped off of the Clippers' bandwagon. I did drop them from my top tier of contenders, but that was just because of health. And honestly, because Brooklyn had just demonstrated to be better than the Clippers to this point in the season. But I never stopped believing in the ceiling of this team when they are completely healthy. I'm just a huge believer. In their specific brand of basketball, they've prioritized the right types of players to put around their stars. And they never succumbed to that, you know, that need that a lot of teams have there, like the Lakers had, to try to flip quality role players for that third star, like the Lakers did when they flipped three of their most important role players for Russell Westbrook. The Clippers have never fallen for that. They've understood the model, which is, you know, we have two star ball handlers. But you also have star ball handlers that contribute in the physical in the physical areas of the game, like defense and rebounding. Like tonight, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George had 18 rebounds to go with their great defense. You guys know you've heard me talk about that with like Chicago, for instance, teams that don't compete on the defensive end, and it doesn't necessarily uh, or stars that don't compete on the defensive end, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with position because even Stephen Clay with the Warriors really compete on the defensive end of the floor, which allows that core to work. But Kawhi and Paul George, two-star ball handlers that also compete defensively and on the glass. And then year after year, the Clippers have hunted role players with size. You guys know how much I value perimeter size, but guys that can shoot and dribble as well. And getting those guys to buy into their defensive scheme. And then from there, it's drive and kick basketball with good spacing principles. I get that it can get ugly sometimes during the regular season when they're just ISOing and pick and rolling every time. But like I say, that brute force type of offense actually translates to the playoffs better than most offensive styles. And we've seen the Clippers' offense obliterate teams in the postseason, even without Kawhi Leonard, as we saw in the 2021 season. So I'm a huge believer in their offensive play style. And then overall, they have a good amount of versatility because they can go big with Zubak at center, but they can also play small with five wings and do a real five-out, you know, super modern type of basketball. All their issues this year were based on health. Yes, those role players are very skilled. Marcus Morris very skilled. You know, uh, Luke Kennard, very skilled. Reggie Jackson, very skilled. But if you put them in set half-court environments and attack set NBA defenses and set NBA defenders, they're going to struggle to create their own shot. You need that initial advantage from Kawhi and Paul George to put those guys in positions where their offensive skill allows them to expand the advantage and eventually finish the play. When you have half of your season where your two primary advantage creators are just gone— It's just going to stack the deck against a lot of teams around the NBA. So I never was really concerned with them on the offensive end of the floor. And now they're getting healthy. They've won three games in a row. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard both look incredible. Norman Powell, you guys have heard me talk a lot about him in recent weeks. He continued his outrageously good plays, four for five again from three tonight. He, I think, has a much better case for sixth man of the year than Russ. He doesn't have the top end that you've gotten from Russ. Like there have been five or six games this year from Russ that Norman Powell could never touch because Russ has managed to occasionally capture some of that MVP type of impact. But in terms of the night in, night out, lack of volatility that you get a guy from Norman Powell, and then actually you can play Norman Powell in your closing groups because he actually compliments your superstars because he's one of the best spot up players in the entire league. Whereas... Russell Westbrook gets into that closing group and he actually hurts the Lakers star players because of his inability to play off the basketball. So I look at Norman Powell as a better candidate for Sixth man of the year than Russ based on that versatility. You can use him to be aggressive on the ball in the middle portions of the game, not quite as much top end, but much higher floor, less volatile, and he can play with their closing group. He's just a better basketball player. Um, the Clippers check every box. They have the top-end talent. They are a top-ten defense. They have tons of shooting and ball handling around their stars. They have an offensive rating over 100 in the half court when Kawhi and Paul George are both on the court, which would rank in the top 10 in the league for teams. And they have scheme versatility, like we talked about earlier. They are a bona fide championship contender. End of story. You don't want your team to have to beat the Clippers four times in a week. That doesn't mean you can't. I don't think they're a top-tier contender right now, but... Don't write that team off. They're going to be a pain in the ass for whoever gets them. On the Lakers front, LeBron was amazing again, 46-8-7. and uh, Dave McMenamin reported right after the game that Anthony Davis is planning to return tomorrow against the Spurs, as well as Rui Hachimura making his debut after the trade from the Wizards. Um, so I wanted to, now that we know that the AD injury era is officially over here, let's take a look at this. Because AD went down in the first half of the Nuggets game back on December 16th, and he missed the rest of that game in 20 additional games. If you would have told Lakers fans at the time that AD was going to miss 20 games, almost all of them would have told you that the season was over, that there was no hope to float things for that long. But thanks to MVP level play from LeBron and key contributions from role players and kind of like a new helter-skelter, ball pressure, transition hunting identity, courtesy of Darvin Ham and the players that are available in that locker room, they kind of took on a unique style and floated the ship. They went 11-10 and in that stretch. How many of you would have guessed that the Lakers would have gone over 521 games without Anthony Davis? It was an unbelievable season-saving effort from that group. So I wanted to tip the cap to the Lakers and a special tip of the cap to LeBron because this has been one of the most remarkable stretches of his career. During this stretch without Anthony Davis, LeBron averaged 34.3 points per game, 8.3 rebounds, 7.4 assists, 63% true shooting despite being incapable of hitting his three consistently. And the Lakers were plus 111 with LeBron on the floor, and minus one twenty six with him off the floor. I've levied a good amount of criticism over LeBron's career, uh, especially in the Cavs days, uh, for him being a fair weather leader, essentially the kind of guy that, like, when the team has a real chance to win the title, he's the perfect guy to captain that ship, but when things start to go south. He used to get pouty. He'd get passive aggressive. He would tweet weird stuff. He would like actively just not try. In 2018, before the trade deadline, LeBron was damn near point shaving because as soon as he found out that trades were in the works, he locked back in and and and, and went to work. The Cavs GM at the time, I'll never forget. He did a, like like an on Kobe Altman did like an interview during a game, and he was like, "Yeah, like we like the trades, we like the players, but make no mistake, we traded for a re-engaged LeBron James." That's literally what he said. That's the type of guy LeBron used to be. So, credit to LeBron for ditching that ugly part of his little career resume, because he's done an outstanding job this season and last season of keeping a positive attitude and galvanizing the group when guys have been out of the lineup. Um, I think that, you know, my dad used to say that people would never change when they'd get into their 30s and stuff um, because you're kind of really set in your ways and who you are. And so credit to LeBron for making a late career shift in his approach to how he handles adversity. And I don't think you can call LeBron a fair weather leader anymore. I think he's just a damn good leader. And that didn't used to be the case. He put his foot down and he saved the season. Really, is that simple. Uh, But now we're going to get to see LeBron with conventional lineups alongside a real NBA forward and Anthony Davis again. And hopefully some shooting if Rob and Jeannie are feeling frisky at the deadline. Um, All right, before we move on to the next game, uh, my first quick hitter is also Lakers related. Uh, A lot of Lakers fans were, you know, and we we see this a lot on Twitter because Twitter is just uh, devolved discourse in so many different ways. But um, Rob made a good trade. And so obviously the apologists of the NBA, uh, of the Lakers front office are now coming out and they're like, oh, we all owe Rob an apology. And I, I, I haven't seen too much of this directed at me, mostly at some of the other more uh, loud Laker fans that I follow. Uh, But you know, this, this particular concept always has annoyed me and I wanted to just kind of set something straight. This is how objective analysis works. You point out when they do good things and you point out when they do bad things. The Rui Hachimura trade was a good trade. It's a great trade, in my opinion. But it's not the first good trade Rob has made. And I've pointed out the other good moves that he's made. I thought he did an excellent job in the 2019 summer after Kawhi signed with the Clippers at Audibleing and having a good backup plan to surround LeBron and Anthony Davis with good role players. I've been consistent about that. I thought he did a good job last summer, at least fundamentally, even though he ignored the forward position, which we'll get to. I liked his switch from going from veteran... Uh, veteran minimum contracts to younger veteran minimum contracts, Uh, younger players that had high motor so that they could fix some of the ugly malaise from last year and infuse real effort and energy into this team. I thought that was really smart. But he also completely destroyed a championship contending roster by flipping three of their best 3 and D players for a player that everyone in the world knew in the moment was a bad fit for LeBron James. And a bad playoff player. And a player that would struggle in crunch time. And then, after completely emptying, emptying the roster of forwards, he took 18 months to find another forward. And in that process, in that stretch without forwards, the Lakers lost a lot of games. In many of the games, a direct result of personnel shortcomings. And then he ran it back with Russ this year. And I get that it's been a little bit better this year than it was last year. I'd even say it's been a lot better this year than it was last year. Last year was a complete unmitigated disaster. And this year has been like good stretches and bad stretches. Right before Anthony Davis got hurt. Really good stretch of Russ. But then that was immediately followed by a bad stretch of Russ. But then recently it's been like 10 straight games of him being good. But then the last two games he's been a complete disaster again. And he can't play in crunch time and he probably won't be able to play much in the playoffs so that we and we all knew that after we saw it we knew it before the rush trade we knew it all last season we knew it after last season we knew it all summer and he chose to run it back so like in the aggregate as I look at everything yeah there's been some good moves there's been some bad moves but there's been a lot more bad and here we are January 24th of 2023 and the Lakers, who won the title in 2020 in dominant fashion, have been below 500 for a year and a half. That's the reality. And yeah, there has been some injuries, but the Lakers used to be able to win when LeBron and Anthony Davis were out of the lineup. That's what happened in 2021 when they had the good role players. So in the aggregate, it's been a rough go of things for Rob Palenka. But look, I'm going to point out the moves that I agree with and I'm going to point out the moves that I disagree with. Objectivity goes both ways. I'm not going to blindly praise somebody and I'm not going to blindly criticize him. Recently, Rob Polinka made a really good trade. If he continues to make really good trades from here on out, or for the most part, really good trades, free agent signings, savvy moves, it's going to change my opinion of Rob. I'm always looking at everything as another opportunity to learn about a player or to learn about a coach, or to learn about an executive, not just another opportunity to you know, reinvigorate some existing opinion that I have about the person.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
1: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
2: Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs?
1: I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't.
2: Tip
1: off the new year with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. My favorite bet for this week is Tuesday night, the LA Clippers in crypto against the Lakers minus four. The Lakers are going to probably be integrating Rui Hachimura in that game, and it's going to dramatically shift the Lakers' rotation around, which I think is going to make it a very weird game, and a lot of guys are going to be out of rhythm. So I like the Clippers in that game. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay, so don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in bonus bets, win or lose, with promo code JASONT. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NBA. All right, moving on to Celtics-Heat. The Heat won 98-95. The Celtics were actually up 87-77 to 77 in this game. You've probably seen this story before for Celtics fans. And then the Heat went on a 15-0 run. Hayweed, uh, Haywood Highsmith knocked down back-to-back corner threes. And then Bam took over. He had a really nice driving bank shot going to his right. This nasty transition dunk, this two-hand jam in traffic that was ridiculous. And then he had a nice pull-up jumper at the foul line. And then Tyler Harrow in, in pick-and-roll hit a really nice three. That was your 15-0 run. Put the uh Heat up five, but then the Celtics battled back. Jason Tatum hit an and one floater. Grant Williams hit a corner three to tie the game. And then Bam hit essentially the, the game winner on a short uh on a short roll pass from Tyler Harrow. The Heat were really spamming pick and roll at the end of this game with Bam and Tyler Harrow. Um the uh uh the the uh, Celtics ended up trapping Harrow on this play. They hit the drop pass to Bam. Bam caught at the foul line. Peyton Pritchard came over and actually tagged. Bam and Bam just was patient and just kind of like kind of brought the ball high like he was gonna throw a swing pass. Peyton Pritchard recovered back out to the wing, and in that little gap, right as Grant Williams was recovering, there was that brief opening, and Bam just elevated and knocked down the jump shot. And then on the other end of the floor, they double-teamed Jason Tatum and he turned it over. Um, which we'll get to in a second. But I have three quick things I want to hit on this game. One. Bam, shot creation. Once again, down the stretch, carried this team. That is everything for this team. If he can look to score this aggressively, and this confidently, and this frequently, it adds a dimension to the heat that they haven't had, and it significantly raises their playoff ceiling. Secondly, Tyler Harrow and pick and roll. I've said consistently Tyler struggles against a set defensive player. He's not going to create off the bounce against a defender right in front of him. He's just a little too thin and doesn't quite get enough separation. You're seeing that again in ISO this year. He's just 0.73 points per possession in ISO, including passes, which is obviously bad. But what I've always said about Tyler Harrow, give him a screen and give him some drop coverage and he's going to barbecue you. And he's having an incredible pick-and-roll season. 42 players in the NBA this year have run at least 400 pick-and-rolls, including passes. Tyler Harrow is fifth out of 42 in the entire NBA in points per possession and and pick-and-roll, including passes at 1.13 points per possession. Made a bunch of key plays down the stretch of this one. And then Jason Tatum, one for four with two turnovers in the fourth quarter tonight, a couple of key turnovers late, threw a lob pass that Bam at a bio was already dropping back. It was just a really bad decision, and Bam stole it. And then late in the game, and this one I, it kind of it's not all on Tatum, but they trapped him and he ended up turning it over. I took a screenshot of this play, so you can find it on my Twitter feed. Uh, but on the play, you know, one of the things I always talk about with trapping is if you apply good ball pressure, you have to throw a a looping cross-court pass because obviously if it's a lazy trap, I can just throw a dart like a like a laser beam across the court that's going to hit a shooter in the pocket and it's game over, right? But if you apply ball pressure, now I'm fighting to protect the basketball and I'm trying to find a, a, a place to throw it, I'm going to have to throw it kind of high in, in looping fashion. That allows the Heat to basically ignore the guy in the far corner and guard everyone else, and so no one's open. And that's what happened on that particular play. It's an impossible cross-court pass against ball pressure, right? So what you have to do in that situation is you have to flash somebody to the high post. One of the players that's not being guarded has to flash because you're creating an easy outlet that that player can then turn in the four-on-three and make a play. And on this play... Uh, Robert Williams was kind of in the middle, but he just kept jogging down towards the basket. And eventually there was nobody there and there was no good option for Tatum. Uh, but the reality was, is it was still a, a turnover and eventually Jason Tatum is going to have to figure out how to be comfortable and confident in these late game scenarios. He's getting good reps, but it has to click eventually. This is becoming a consistent issue. All right, before we move on to our last two games, my last quick hitter of the night, non NBA players in the dunk contest. So Uh, I was talking to my father-in-law the other day and he said that he had listened to, uh, I think he was listening to like Sirius XM radio and some NBA channel. And, uh, my father-in-law is a big basketball guy. So he's one of my favorite people in my family to talk basketball with. And he goes, yeah, like they were talking about potentially bringing in professional dunkers into the dunk contest. And I haven't actually seen this reported, so I don't want to confirm that. But, uh, I do think it's relevant because the NBA is allowing Mac McClung, a G league player to participate in the dunk contest. So there were uh, two kind of things that I wanted to hit on here uh, because I personally am not okay with non-NBA players participating in the dunk contest. Um, I am a basketball player. Pretty good one. was good college basketball player. I'm not a pro. Um, I had several options to go overseas for little bits of money, but I was married and had two dogs and had no interest in leaving my good-paying job to go overseas to make 300 bucks a week to grind up the overseas ladder. I'm at peace with it. It is what it is. But I have never in my life uh, insinuated that I'm an NBA player or that I'm as good as those guys or, or that they have my spot in the league or anything like that. And the main reason why is because I think that it's sacred. As a basketball fan, I think the achievement of being an NBA player is sacred to me. It's such an incredible accomplishment that I would never in a million years put myself in their shoes. So If you see me talk about me myself as a player or you see me uh, post a video of me playing in some basketball event here in Tucson, it's just my expression of my love for the game. It has nothing to do with me being like, hey, look at me. I'm an NBA player. I've never been like that because those guys are sacred to me. And that extends to this dunk contest situation, because yeah, is there an issue with the dunk contest and getting stars to participate? Sure, but that's—I mean, that's that's a problem that is probably not going away anytime soon. Uh, but there are plenty of NBA players that are willing to participate in the dunk contest. I don't know about you guys, but I'm really excited to see Shaden Sharp in this dunk contest. I think he has an opportunity to put uh, put forth one of the best free throw line dunks in NBA history this year. I'm excited to see it. But like, putting in, let's start with Mac McClung for instance. Yeah, Mac McClung's gonna be interesting to see in that dunk contest, but he's not an NBA player. And so to me, it kind of defiles the sacred nature of what the NBA dunk contest is. That extends tenfold for bringing in professional dunkers. Now, some of you basketball players out there that listen to the show will relate to me on this, and a lot of this might go over some of your guys' head, but bear with me. Um, I've run into my share of professional dunkers in my life, and most of them are nice guys. Some of them are a little bit more arrogant, but what has always bothered me is like they're not basketball players. They're athletes, it's like a track and field competition at that point to do all this crazy acrobatic stuff with dunking. Some of the best professional dunkers that I've ever played with were terrible basketball players. And that's not, again, what they do is a marvel of human athleticism. And I do enjoy every once in a while when I'm scrolling through Instagram and I see a video of, you know, some professional dunker doing something crazy, I, I, I watch it. But to me, that's separate. And what makes the NBA dunk contest so damn cool is those are real-life NBA players, damn good basketball players, doing those athletic feats. I have no question that if you brought professional dunkers into the NBA dunk contest, you'd see some of the most amazing dunks in NBA dunk contest history. But again, it would be defiling that sacred nature of what an NBA player is and what that means to be an NBA player. So please, look... After this Mac McClung experiment, no disrespect to Mac McClung, he's a far more accomplished basketball player than me—a damn good one—and he probably will play in the NBA again one day, and he has in the past. But he shouldn't be in the dunk contest. That's just, that's just my opinion. That that is a sacred event for NBA players. All right, two more games, and then we're out of here. We're going to go quick. Cavs-Knicks. The Knicks win 105-103. to Julius Randle hit the shot of the night. It was tied at 101, or 100-100, and there was kind of a stagnant possession where he was standing unguarded in a triple threat at the top of the key. He finally just rose up and knocked it down. Um, and then on the other end of the floor, uh, Cavs run pick and roll, draw some help, kick out pass to Isaac Kakoro on the left wing, wide open three, and he missed it. But Isaac Okoro is shooting 34% on catch-and-shoot threes this season. He's going to miss two out of three of of those. That position continues to be the biggest weak point on the Cavs' roster, and you're seeing it regularly at the end of games where Cavs have really struggled. Uh, But then the Cavs got a couple of stops, but Donovan Mitchell made two really bad reads, driving into traffic and getting blocked on consecutive possessions at the rim. He did hit some huge shots late in the game to get the Cavs back into this game. Uh, But he can get tunnel vision sometimes. He's got a little bit of that Westbrook in him, uh, and it hurt the Cavs in crunch time tonight. The Cavs have now lost 14 games involving clutch situations, which is bottom 10 in the league. Both their offense and defense fall apart. They're 14th in both offense and defense in clutch situations, despite being the second-best defense in the league overall. Um, On defense, they play two small guards that don't defend, so you have plenty of entry points to attack their defense. And then on offense, they are the fourth worst spot-up team in the NBA, converting spot-up opportunities to the clued, uh, to the clip of just 0.98 points per possession, which is just not going to get it done. So you can dig off of their role players, just like the Knicks did with Isaac Okoro, and help on their stars, and you're going to get a lot of stops that way because they're just not going to make shots. Um, at this point, I think the Cavs are staring down the barrel of a five-game exit in the first round this year. I think this roster is fundamentally flawed in two catastrophic ways— Two small guards that you can't uh, uh, account for defensively, and the small forward position. Um, and I, I, I hope for the sake of Cavs fans, and I know this is going to suck to hear, but I actually hope it's embarrassing for you, because Cavs fans are, or the Cavs organization and Cavs fans are very attached to Darius Garland. And I, Darius Garland's a great young player, and he's a phenomenal human being, and all indications are that he's earned a great deal of love from that fan base. Uh, But as long as that uh, Donovan Mitchell's better than him. And as long as Darius Garland is there next to Donovan Mitchell, it fundamentally hampers the team. So I hope they lose in embarrassing fashion because that will be the trigger that they need this summer to move Darius Garland for a legit forward that you can put next to Evan Mobley and Jared Allen that can score and defend at an extremely high level, which will allow the Cavs to have a better playoff ceiling. That um, is all that matters in the end anyway. Um, good win for the Knicks, though. They just have not been good against good teams this year. Before tonight, they were just 7-14 and against teams that were 500 or better. But they did have a good game plan tonight, helping off of those spot-up shooters. They rode some hot shooting in this game and good late defense to build a solid win to break their four-game losing streak. And then quickly before we get out of here tonight, Wizards-Mavs. The Wizards won 127-126. Just watch the end of this one. Uh, Beal hit the biggest shot of the game, a step back three over Luka on the left wing. Uh, and then Kuzma won it at the free throw line, drawing a blocking foul along the right sideline. Um, Luka was great overall, 41-15-6, but three deadly mistakes down the stretch. He missed the free throw that allowed the game to be tied for Kuzma to break the tie. Then he was the one who committed the silly blocking foul in a tied 126-126 game. Uh, Kuzma was just dribbling up the right sideline doing some stupid stuff. And Luka just cut him off and bumped him for no particular reason at all whatsoever. Um, And then on the other end of the floor, down one, 127-126, he turned it over. The Mavs are spiraling now. They've lost 7 out of 9. I do think uh, that things will stabilize a little bit when they get fully healthy and back into rhythm like they didn't have Christian Wood tonight. Uh, but this team is not good enough right now. And, and I don't know. They're in kind of that weird position where, like, you can look at it, like, be aggressive at the deadline and try to get something around Luka. But Luka's so young that, like, you know, you know Rob Polinka, after the Ruby Hachimura trade, uh, he did a little press conference today. And he basically laid out his case for why uh, the Lakers should be patient and how, you know, he wanted to get that, you know, truly great trade with the with the assets that they have. And in a vacuum, that's such good reasoning, but it doesn't make sense for the Lakers because LeBron's in his 20th season. And so even if like you wait till this summer and you make a 30% better trade, like if it works out, you're in the NBA finals, LeBron will be 39 and a half in next year's NBA finals. So even if you get 30% more out of the that individual player, like how much of a decline are you looking at from LeBron over the course of the next 15, 16 months or whatever. So that I've never seen that as sound reasoning. Like I think the Lakers have to pour it into this season because I don't know how long LeBron's going to stay at this level, but probably not for much longer. And, you know, but for Luca, I actually see that as the appropriate strategy. You don't want to make the mistake that the early Cavs did with LeBron where they kept going all in every single year and they never got that truly great piece next to LeBron. And next thing you know, he's leaving. So I would pitch it to Luca like, hey man, like it might take us two or three years, but we're going to get you a guy, like a real guy, like a real co-star. And we're going to build a real championship roster around you because I'd rather be truly great when you're 27 than a little bit better this year. That is a good strategy for Luca because of his age. You guys can probably see the difference there all right guys that's all i have for tonight so uh like i said i'm in lake tahoe but i am bringing my stuff and we are going to be covering grizzlies warriors on thursday morning so keep an eye on the feeds on thursday for a video and then when i get back on saturday night i think it's Lakers celtics uh, i get back late saturday night but i'll be working and covering those games on sunday morning as always i sincerely appreciate your guys' support and i will see you next time
0: Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Ready, set, griddle this grilling season. Get the Weber Slate Rust Resistant Griddle with a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned and ready to cook on right out of the box. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. This griddle heats evenly edge-to-edge. It reaches up to 500 degrees. The Weber Works Prep cook-and-store system keeps cooking supplies handy, and you can carry all the food, condiments, and utensils you need. Get fired up for your
1: new Weber Slate Rust Resilient. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home, where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 2 92230 equal housing lender federally insured by ncua